The history of the Bible has been the subject of research and scrutiny by scholars and theologians for hundreds of years. It's an incredibly controversial topic. And tonight we have a very special guest to share her findings on the lost books of the Bible. Bryce Watson is a podcast host and you have all kinds of crazy information about these lost books of the Bible. I cannot wait to get into it. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Bryce Watson. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to get into this juicy and petty, petty topic. (laughs) It's going to be a wild one. And I already know it's going to drive some people absolutely crazy. Also joining us is my good friend and former cult member, Bryce. Uh, We've got two Bryce's on the podcast tonight. Uh, and so I think we're just going to have to call you boy Bryce. Does that sound okay? I did not agree to this stipulation. <laughs> it sounds like some sort of weird sidekick. I picturing myself on a bicycle with a cape. I don't like it. Also, I thought this was missing uh, books of the Britannica. I thought this was some sort of weird encyclopedia thing with some unknown letters. <laughs> You're going to be a little bit lost on this one if you think it's about the encyclopedia. Uh, Bryce also suggested being called Bearded Bryce, but I refuse to play into that any more than I already have. Um, so we're just going to go Bryce Watson and boy Bryce. You're just lucky that I know how to abide. <laughs> oh, there we go. Um, his reference to the Dudas priests, uh, huge fan of the big Lebowski. Awesome. Love that little reference you had to throw in there. Boy, Bryce, uh, always back to you, Bryce Watson. So this is such an interesting topic. Uh, like I said, it's incredibly, incredibly controversial. Uh, I remember when the Da Vinci, uh, Da Vinci code came out. I mean, this was years ago, right? And the evangelical community was in an uproar over this movie uh, because it was about um, some missing information that had been hidden by the Vatican about, I think it was the Virgin Mary, Jesus' mother, and how- It was about him being married to Mary Magdalene. Oh, was that what it was about? I didn't watch it because I was in a cult, so I wasn't allowed to, uh, because (laughs) that would have been blasphemy, absolute blasphemy. Yo, I've seen seen the movie like four times. I own it, and I've read the book as well. Like, I- I saw that and I was like, this is amazing because I love history and I love all of the talk of the symbols. And it's like, oh, this symbol doesn't actually mean that. It started out like this. And it's like blew my mind. I was like, I, but I didn't research to know how much of it was fact or fiction. If you know, that would be great. I think that's exactly why Bryce Watson is here tonight uh, because she's going to give us a thorough education. One quick side note about the Da Vinci Code. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's worth watching just to see Tom Hanks with a weird like mullet type situation. Uh, pretty entertaining just for that alone. Okay, now back to the serious topic of the lost books of the uh, of the Bible, Bryce Watson. How did you even get into uh, researching this? That is a very interesting question because when I started my channel, I had no intention of doing them. I'm a weirdo. I love weird stuff. Like I love folklore. I grew up in the deep South where it's really sweaty and hot down here and it's super spooky. Like we grew up in a haunted house. Like, and so when lockdown happened, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to just do research on these, this folklore stuff, like the vampire of Georgia. And I was doing a lot. I actually had done a show on the giants, uh, a request from a subscriber. And I didn't really want to do this, but I ended up doing it. It ended up being like the video that went viral for me because I went deep into research because I'm petty and I'll go deep into research. And I found all these lawsuits where 
all these organizations, I won't say their names because of censorship, but all these big organizations had been sued for like getting rid of giant remains. And their defense was they had to protect the narrative. What narrative is that? Evolution. And I was like, believed in all the stuff that they had told us. And I was like, wait a minute. So the archaeologists are finding these proofs of these 25 feet people literally all over the world. They're handing them over to these world-renowned organizations that are supposed to help them. They're incinerating the, the fossils, basically, and they're getting sued for it. And their defense is we have to protect the narrative. And so I was like, riddle me this, Batman, because like, this is not, I don't want to be lied to. Like this is, so, so then I start, so then when the missing books came around, I already, I was on another show presenting the stuff I had presented with the giants. And I just kind of got this like download, like this, you need to read the missing. I knew the missing books of the Bible existed. And I had previously before being on YouTube, um, I had spent a lot of my adult life in India studying Eastern philosophy. And currently I am the only female in the state of Georgia to carry this particular education, to teach this particular level of Eastern philosophy, which ended up serving me well when I started reading the missing books of the Bible. But for me, when it first started, like I said, I was just kind of like, what are they hiding? Like, I just want to know what they're like, why are these books banned? I didn't expect for it to be what it was. And the fact that my whole viewpoint on the church completely deconstructed. Wow. And I have to say that I grew up as when you were on my channel, Davey, I told you I grew up in a conservative Christian Presbyterian mm -hmm. home. My parents were literal heathens compared to y'all's parents, um, even though they were conservative Christians. Um, my mama was cool. We'll just put it that way. She was cool. She was a cool mom. Um, and and so I, I haven't been in church since I was 17. But that was my foundation of, of faith was Christianity. And even though my mama told me my first ghost story, like we live in the deep south, there are just some things you can't skirt around when you live down here. Everywhere's haunted. You know, so we are taught heaven and hell, but there's still ghosts. So there was always this kind of open door that there was more to life than than what we were being told. And, um, you know, I, my mother was very open to my friends who had other faiths and never, never questioned that. So there was always that kind of openness. And of course, spending time in India and getting really familiar with the Hindu faith and really, I, I had a very open view on God anyway. God, as Gandhi said, God has no religion. Um, I see God in everything and all people. I have a, I want to make that very clear that I am, I'm not an atheist. I have a very strong faith in God. Um, and this journey through the missing books of the Bible actually has strengthened my faith in God. Because mm. even though I grew up in a conservative Christian home, the, the God we were taught about at church growing up never sat right with me. Like, I didn't know God as a child to be this vindictive jealous, angry God that punished people. That was not my experience with God. And it's still, I'm 40 years old. It still has never been my experience. My experience, my personal experience with God is one of incredible love and incredible mercy and humor, a sense of humor and grace. And, and when I studied the Eastern philosophy, I started to understand human suffering more from the perspective of Eastern philosophy, which then is retold in the missing books of the Bible through this man whose real name was Yahshua, not Jesus. And that's a totally different story of how Jesus came around. Um, but Yahshua was his real name and his wife's name was Magdalene. And we see, and that's like the least of the scandals is that they were married and have had five children. 
Now, in the Magdalene Manuscript, I think I told you this offline, Davey. I don't know if I told you in the episode. The Magdalene Manuscript does get into their sex life, which is a little uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Here we go. That's going to really, really maybe liberate some of the people who grew up in like a a pure, like a a more of a purist or what's a purity culture. Purity culture. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, Uh, we're very familiar with that. Yes. So they, so in Magdalene, if you guys, uh, so so the Jesus fish, we even see signs of Magdalene still to this day with the Jesus fish that you see on the back of people's cars. That is actually what they call a Visica Pisces. And a Visica Pisces is an emblem. It actually looks like the female anatomy. I'm not going to, I don't know what the censorship mm-hmm. word, but yeah, it's, if you flip it's, it on its side, right? Yeah, it's a very uh-huh. famous ancient, speaking of the Da Vinci Code symbol, and it was for the feminine and that was Magdalene. And so that kind of gives you a clue. And as you've seen a lot of the missing books, she was actually the main teacher between the two of them was Magdalene. He was secondary. He was her husband. He was the priest. She was the priestess. She was the Visica Pisces. He was the Messiah, which Messiah also means a phallical pillar, which you guys know what that is. So, so etymology of words is really fun, guys. You can learn a lot by studying the etymology of these words. And I do have to thank this. I, I, I told Boy Bryce that this book right here um, by uh, Trisha McCannon, I've been through it on my channel. She actually lives in Atlanta and she is really, really good. She goes through everything in detail and where her sources are. So if that's something people want to get for themselves to start to study this, I would highly recommend that. So with that being said, should we start at the beginning of how we got here as a society? Because this oh, was boy. You start thing. wherever you want to start because you're the expert here. Uh, it's it's very interesting how you even started researching this stuff. I mean, the now I'm super curious about giants. Uh, oh, God. I'm but, freaked yeah. out about giants. Let me tell yeah. you guys, that's a different show, but I'm actually terrified of giants at this point. Yeah. So. I mean, that that's wild. Uh, and and just the little snippets about Jesus being married and Magdalene being the primary teacher and, and, and all this other stuff. I mean, I can't like my mind is already a little bit blown, uh, both from what you just said and from some of the offline conversations that we've had. And, and once again, thank you so much for prefacing this with we're just we're sharing information here. Mm-hmm. Right. This isn't something necessarily that you believe or I believe. Um, this is just information that's out there. And, and let's talk about it. Hey, y'all, we now have Friends with Davey merch available online at friendswithdavey.com. Check it out. Get some for yourself, your friends, your family members. Bryce also has his customer service survivors merch available on the website. Check this one out. All I want for Christmas is for you to remember your password. Your IT friends are going to love it. Friendswithdavy.com. Thank you all so much for the support. And now back to Lost Books of the Bible with Bryce Watson. Yeah, absolutely. Do your own, please do your own research, guys. This All this stuff is available. You do have to be patient and dig through a lot of articles. Lawsuits are fabulous. <laughs> They're really juicy. Um, and this is just very interesting. And if you're able to kind of, there's a great quote that I love by Aristotle. It's, it goes, it's a sign of an intelligent mind when you can entertain an idea without accepting it. Mm. And so all I'm asking is that people entertain these ideas. We know we're in 2023, we know that the world around us is pretty corrupt. There's corruption everywhere, like everywhere. Like that's just normal. That's just par for the course of being a human. So why isn't the church corrupt? Like that's the number one, when you're dealing with people's mortality and their salvation, that's the number one hook. To, to manipulate people. And I actually, when I reached out to you, Davey, I think I explained that I had gone through the missing books on the Bible on my channel or what we have of them. 
And when I watched the Shiny Happy People documentary, I saw so many similarities between mm-hmm. Bill Gothard and the original um, perpetrators of this beautiful, what was a very beautiful faith, a very liberating faith. And, and so I want to say to people like Bill Gothard, you're not a genius. You're just mimicking people that have done this before you for your own glory and your own power. And yes. guess what? God actually cares about women the same as men. Like they, they're, they're equal value. Yahshua and Magdalene did not have 12 disciples. They had 70, 70. And most of them were women. Hmm. Most of them were women. And he even talks about like in the gospel of the Naz- Nazarene way, Yahshua even talks about, they ask him about like divorce, you know, what, what, when you need to leave your, your spouse. And he says, you can divorce just for the simple fact that you don't love the person anymore. Hmm. So then you add in things like abuse, cheating, all that kind of stuff. And you're and you're good. Like you don't need to stay with somebody because you feel like you're church. And I want to express that too. Like if anything, I want everybody to understand that no human being, not me, not Bill Gothard, not your preacher, not whatever religion you are, no human being has the right to tell you what your relationship with God should look like. That is your prerogative, and it always has been because it, and I'm going to say, I'm going to start this off with Genesis 1-3, and it says, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, when you guys hear that verse, what is that, what does that verse say to you? That God, like, created the sun, and we could see? It usually says to me that the pastor has decided to start from the beginning, and it's going to be a long (laughs) year, just a series, just book by book um I, I as a child when i would heard that i like in sunday school when they would talk about the creation of the earth that god created the sun and we could see and then he created night and there was a moon and all that kind of stuff but what i found in my research was the original greek word for light meant divine spark it gives me like it makes me want to cry when i say that because basically the original people knew that that verse said god god said let there be you and there was you and you existed. And so with that being said, in the next verse, it says, and God saw the light and it was good and separated it from the darkness. He's already separated you. You're all, you were born saved. You don't need to follow these ridiculous rules that are created by a man. God already said you're good. And we're going to get into So what is sin? Well, the original definition for sin means just to miss the mark, to not understand that you are this magnificent being and i want before we get into it too just so people can relax because i know it's scary i know it's really scary when someone comes and says hey everything you believe is not true i know that's terrifying i get it so i just want everybody to relax and just understand that you're all good god loves you like there's nothing you can do that's going to separate you from that love of god right nothing um and so i want everybody right now just to think about the most magnificent nature scene you've ever seen, whether it's the Rocky Mountains or the Appalachian Mountains. Just think about that that time where you on a on a hike or you looked out an airplane window and something took your breath away because it was just so beautiful and so magnificent. The same God who created that also created you. Bill Gothard, these corrupt men cannot take that away from you. And so that's what, and that's the, that's kind of the crux of his teachings, Yahshua's teachings. But let's get back to the beginning of the real juicy part of like the corruption and how we got to where, to where we are now sitting here talking about this on a YouTube channel. So um, anyway, so 
we have known since Yahshua lived, since Jesus lived, we have known that there were these missing books. How did we know this? Because there were letters written between, and I hate to use the word church fathers because church has its own definite, it's not what you think it is, but we'll use that, that term just for lack of a better word, where they would write letters back and forth to each other and they would quote things like the Gospel of Thomas. They would quote things like the Acts of Philip these Gnostic, what they call Gnostic teachings. And so we knew, historians knew that there were missing works. They just, I guess, assumed that they had kind of evaporated with time, you know, gotten lost in the mix. And until until a very fateful day in the 1940s, we have two big events that happened in the 1940s. The first was the Nag Hammadi Library. So this story cracks me up because this was a, um, this farmer, I say very loosely farmer in Egypt in Nag Hammadi, Egypt was apparently out just tending to his field one night and found these 13 leather bound papyruses. Now I say this cracks me up because tending to his flock or his farm, he found them in caskets. (laughs) So he wasn't a farmer. He was a grave robber. <laughs> let's just let's just call a spade a spade. He was a grave robber. Oh, wow. But So I just find that comical because we've already tried to politically correctify this story by making him a farmer when literally like he common sense. He was. A, but God, God has a sense of humor and God works in very mysterious ways. So what is sin? I ask you, my friends, because technically he was sinning by stealing, but he actually saved our asses by by doing this because he found these what they call the Gnostic Gospels. And all of a sudden, here's this Gospel of Thomas. Oh, we have it now. Here's this Gospel of Magdalene. Magdalene's one of her Gospels, which I have this right here. This is a great uh, commentary, Magdalene Revealed by Megan Watterson. She goes through the whole of Magdalene's Gospel. It's incredible. I cried my way through this book. It's unbelievable. So that's a good reference for people who want to read, especially Magdalene's Gospel. All right. So then we cut to... Um, the Dead Sea Scrolls. And th- these were found a year later in 1946. Now, the Dead Sea Scrolls are by far probably the more popular ones and the most well-known. And this cracks me up, too, because these were found by a child. A child was literally hanging out, throwing, as you do as a child, you throw, before the internet, before <laughs> as we did as kids, throwing rocks into, into caves to seeing what echoes he could hear, and he broke a jar. He heard it break. And in these jars were these Dead Sea Scrolls, a lot of them, in multiple caves, in an area in the, in the uh, I was about to say the Midwest, not the Midwest, the Middle East, uh, called Qumran, which was where we believe a group of people called the Essenes lived. The Essenes are in the canonized Bible. They were the group that was associated with John the Baptist, with Jesus. They were kind of the outcasts. Um, they were believed to be Jewish, but there is other uh, references that say, no, they were actually Egyptian because a scene, the way it's spelled, was how they originally spelled Isis. And there's a lot to kind of prove that this is correct by the, de- by the uh, missing books of the Bible, that they were oh, actually interesting. Egyptian. Yeah. Um, and so they had Jewish people in their group. They were very inclusive and they kept a library of a lot of the old Hebrew works because they were smart and they were also probably very petty. And so they kept they kept their receipts, right? They kept everything. And so that's where we have like the book of giants. We have all these different books that go back again to that research on giants and who these giants were um, is in the Dead Sea Scrolls. So around this time, um, we have 
the Vatican steps in. And we were kind of laughing at uh, about this off camera as like, I'm pretty sure the Vatican was really pissed that these books were found in the 20th century because they can't burn people at the stake anymore. Mm-hmm. They can't talk their heads off. But the right. Vatican came in and I just see them in my mind's eye coming in with their costumes on and their big hats on being like, hear ye, hear ye, we'll take these. We're the experts. No need to look at these scholars and, and, and academics. We'll take these now. It's okay. And the academics, the secular academics were like, no, thank you. We're good. We're going to look at these. And so some court cases happened where they battled the church to get a hold of these documents for the good of the world, right? Now, thank God for the secular academics because they were like, no, no, no. For history's sake, we need to see what these documents say. So wait, the secular academics had to sue the church so that the church just didn't snatch them up? They went, well, the church tried to, to, to get them off of them, to, to compensate oh, okay. them from them. Okay. And basically, what I believe making what would be false promises, like we're going to, tra- don't worry, we'll translate these these works for you. Yeah, right. They were going to Yeah, ac- academics are like, nah, <laughs> we've heard that before. <laughs> yeah. So so these guys find it. They're the experts, archaeologists and whatever, and it's in a different country. And so I'm assuming that to retain ownership, there's a, there's a lot of laws. You can't just, every yeah. country has different laws. Like there's people in England, if you're out with a, metal detector and you come across like some roman coins like you have to declare it to the government you'll be compensated land as a whole thing and it's just it's mind-blowing and yet it's not because it's the catholic church where they were like hey we we actually have uh first claim on that yeah it's like yeah. what you you're not even here you didn't <laughs> find it and the funny thing is, is the guy like in Nag Hammadi Library, like this is a predominantly Muslim country and his name was Muhammad. So like a Muslim guy found me. So and the Vatican's like, there are literally a Muslim guy found them. <laughs> He's coming in. So I just think, again, I, I find humor in this. I'm sure it was very stressful when they were going through it at the time because I wouldn't want to go up against the Catholic Church because they're scary. Um, but I guess I kind of am. But whatever um so yes they ha- i don't know and elaine pagel who is a great reference point she's still alive she's um an incredible scholar when it comes to the go- the gnostic gospels which we'll get into what those are um she worked a lot with the professors that were actually compens- getting the rights to these books and so i would highly suggest she is an incredible teacher she has lectures on youtube i've sat through a lot of her lectures she has a lot of books her name's elaine pagel She's amazing. Um, and so I would highly suggest that people want more information about that battle. I would listen to a lot of her, her lectures because mm. she's incredible. And so the, this battle ensued. And from my understanding, the public didn't actually get a copy of these missing books of the Bible until the 90s. That's how long it took. 50 for, years? Like 50 years. So imagine you are like in your 40s when the books are found and you're all excited because you're going to eventually, and then all of a sudden you've got to die before they're actually released to the public. That kind of sucks, right? That's the Um, power of the, the Catholic Church, right? And also, I would assume too, just translating and you know, that's what and, I was thinking. In different, mm. um, you know, the Coptic. There's, it's not, it's multiple language, old languages like Coptic, Egyptian, Hebrew, um, some old Greek stuff. So there's a lot that that they're working through, not just legally, but with. And and the one thing I love about academics is they they don't take a spiritual approach. Like I think someone like me would want to take. Um, 
very spiritual, almost confirmation bias looking at this stuff. But academics mm -hmm. are really good at being very objective. And so they have multiple people looking at this, multiple people giving their opinions on different translations. There's multiple commentaries out there. I always suggest to people read all the commentaries you can because it's different perspectives and it might you, know, you don't have to agree with everything, but you know, it gives you a different perspective on what these teachings are. It can't hurt you. Again, it's a sign of an intelligent mind when you can entertain an idea without accepting it. I, I would say I would say that occasionally academics are not objective based on who's funding their project. That is true, too. That is true, too, um, for sure. But I, I think they did a pretty good job with the missing books. I will say that because there are definitely a lot of, of different um, – different voices out there that have gone through, especially the Gnostic, which the Gnostic, which would be in the New Testament, is more like the teachings of Yahshua. The real petty stuff is in the Old Testament because that mm. shit's not what you think it is. Like that is, it's the Old Testament's basically a grimoire. And I know that's gonna trigger people, but a grimoire is a spell book, you guys. It's a spell book. So um, mm. it's very, and the missing books of Moses, the Testament of, everyone talks about wise King Solomon. We had to like learn about him in church. Dude was, worshiping Moloch like that's in the testament of Solomon Moloch was the Yahweh which is the same name for people called God Yahweh that's Moloch that's a demon Jehovah is also a demon these are named list of demons in the Old Testament um, where they did human a child um, I don't want to be too graphic but where they you know you they would that yeah, human sacrifice yeah human sacrifice yeah but children mm -hmm. they called it a virginal it's in the Old Testament that canonized virginal burnt offering that's a child being burned to Moloch. Um, it's all in Testament, the lesser keys of Solomon, um, the keys of Solomon. These are all spell books uh, that people still use to this day that I found. I mean, I didn't realize how big of a deal black magic was until I started researching the missing books of the Bible. And I was like, I was like, damn, they're Reddit threads. I'm like, how to do these, these spells. And, and these were the books that they found in the coffins, right? The, the um, ones so, that well, there's even So they also found some. So I, there's also one note I want to make too, because these books started to be actually be discovered in the late 19th century, the late 1800s in Tibet. So there were all oh. these Tibetan monasteries that had the full. So some of the books in the Dead Sea Scrolls are most of the books in the Dead Sea Scrolls and the Nag Hammadi Library. We have most of it, but some of it's like missing because of time, like the papers wilted away, you know, so, you know, we're missing some of it. Well, there, there's no telling what we're missing because uh, of the uh, Shah that pissed off Genghis Khan because, yeah, it was a fatal error. <laughs> Because they got their whole city with the library, the famous library, burned to the ground. Well, and that I actually so the uh, the the Library of Alexandria. I and we'll get to the Vatican Library. I actually think the Vatican has that library. I I that might make me a conspiracy theorist, but I don't care. After all the research I've done, I think they actually have a lot of those books because the Vatican Library. Y'all, listen. This is so I thought. I thought that these like fifty or so books we have now. That was it, right? No, that's not it. There are 777, 777 books in the Vatican Library that none of us have seen that are in relation really? to the Bible. 777. Yes. What are in those? So we only have like 50. So, and nobody knew this until, oops, like, uh-oh, all of a sudden this grave robber and this kid, could you imagine being the Vatican and being taken out by like a 12-year-old kid just playing with rocks? 
Well, I mean, they probably already had those books anyway. These are probably copies of books they already had, right? They had no idea that these other missing now that so we'll get to why some of these uh, these gospels, these Gnostic were found in in, um, coffins. We'll get to there's a reason why that 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 is Hmm. why they were hidden in coffins. We'll get there. But yeah, they didn't know that they I guess they had not searched all four corners of the earth to make sure this was all eradicated off the planet. Um, And oops, a daisy. A 12-year-old boy took him out, you know, and a grave robber. So I find that very comical. Um, you know, it's it's these. this is the church that went on the Inquisition and, and, and just terrorized people. The Statistically speaking, the Christian church as a whole has more blood on its hands than any other religion in the world. It's got more blood on its hands. So it's done a lot of damage. And that's taking in um, the Crusades, the Inquisitions, every all the witch trials, everything. Um, it's wild. So the some tr- religions are playing catch up. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. There's, there's the, 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 there's, there's some that are not too far behind, but, but yeah, they have done a lot. The Vatican has done a lot to try to squash the real teachings of Yahshua. Um, and why is that? So of course I'm going, you know, if, if you look throughout the course of history, this is just common sense. If you look throughout the course of history at every single institution or group, that has censored people. They're never the good guys. Mm. Never. You know, I am very anti-censorship. I think every human being should be uh, be allowed to, I, I, I guess I have more faith in humans that if you're given all the information, you're more than likely going to choose the right one. <laughs> I mean, maybe I have more faith in people than that. But, um, but yeah, and I, so then I started going, well, why? Why were all these things censored? So this is when I started to go really deep into my research. And I'm sorry, I'm looking at notes to make sure I cover everything. So we know that the Vatican Library has 777 books that none of us have seen. None of us have seen these books. All right. Did you guys know that the royal family, the Windsor family, actually owns a copyright to the Bible we have today? Really? The Protestant Bible or the Catholic Bible? Both, because they're both translations. They're all. So this is where people get, get confused. At all the Bibles out there that we have in the world, all the different translations, they're all translations from the same King James Bible, which is not the Holy Bible. It's the King James Bible. Do they have different uh, copyright laws? Are they, or are they're just royal copyright it's laws? It's like owned by the Windsors. Like it is oh, owned yeah. by the freaking Windsors because King James wrote the Bible. We're going to get into King James because he was not, he was a Satanist, a loud and proud Satanist. This is what? historical record. You oh, guys. Bill Gothard and the entire IBLB cult is rolling in their grave. I know. It's so I need so to get. I need to get some pearls. I have to collect something. <laughs> yeah. I, I did a whole pearls. breakdown. I have a video on my channel of King James. I was like, this sob. Like he was. He did not hide his Satanism, y'all. He wasn't like doing this in secret. I mean, his mama was Mary Queen of Scots. He granted he didn't really live with her, but she was raised in the Valois house of France, which was Catherine de Dimeci, I hope I'm saying that right, who was a big time Satanist, like openly. So this is like really bad. Like this is not good. This is not good. And so we start to see this like common theme of this like dominance of this like Yahweh God in the Bible, of this like obsession with human sacrifices and like, eating bodies and drinking blood which is what communion is and but that didn't start with king james okay this started with constantine so now mm. we're gonna all right so this is why the catholic church was like 
uh-oh, <laughs> when, when, <laughs> when these books were found, because, you know, the, the, the truth was going to start to come out and people could not be burned at the stake anymore. So, so what are they going to do, right? Well, what can they do? So we have... After Yahshua and Magdalene lived, they had all of their 70 disciples, right? What is a disciple? A disciple is a student, basically. It comes from, there's a Sanskrit word called sadhana. Sadhana, I have a sadhana. So sadhana is a devotional practice you do every day whether you want to or not. I get up for Brahma Murtha every day, which is at four o'clock in the morning. I do my practice. I do my meditation. That's a sadhana. I don't want to do it most days. It's a discipline. So that's where this discipline disciple, that's where it comes from. So these were people that have been taught all of these esoteric and Gnostic teachings. And then they went out in the world. They didn't have churches because the, Edip- have you ever asked anybody i never did in church i just assumed it was you know it's a church whatever do you guys know what the etymology of the word church is no it's a demon that hypnotizes you and feeds off your life force what is it with the demons guys <laughs> like i mean that makes the most sense thank you and okay that was one of the first things i ever learned before i even went on the missing books of the bible escapade because jordan maxwell that old researcher who is incredible he was the one that pulled that research and i was like hold that and i said the same thing boy bryce i was like that makes so much sense they hypnotize you in fear and then they feed off of your soul basically now a teacher's job a teacher's job in the world is to eventually not be needed that's a teacher's job is to eventually not be needed right to give you liberation a leader's job is to always be needed so the original christian schools were schools and these disciples were like teachers and they taught you this practice of gnosis or inner knowing that's where it comes from inner knowing knowing god within yourself you're already like i said you're already a fractal you already have that light you're already that child of god you just can't remember and so when we'll talk about that later how that remembering comes back because it's it's in the missing books of the bible as well as all eastern philosophy it's actually a beautiful practice but so we have this little problem because when people are liberated when they're not afraid, they don't follow the rules. They can't be controlled anymore. Yeah. So we got a problem. And so this this new found spirituality is spreading now, slowly but surely spreading. And so we have this dude named Constantine. So this is a couple of hundred years later in the fourth century. He kind of takes over. And um, he ends up having the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD. This is when it became a shit show, like for real. Um, okay. So, and now we're here all these years later to talk about it. <laughs> I love this. It's so petty and juicy. I love it. All right. So he, basically the council of Nicaea, Constantine made a brand new faith and labeled it as Christianity. It was not the original teachings of Yeshua. All right. So this, this council of Nicaea was a council of bishops that convened in the town of Nicaea, which is now modern day Turkey, uh, by Constantine the great. This was the first of 21 councils where the church would become more and more tyrannical. All right. So this is like the person Bill Gothard wishes he was, was Constantine. Right, yeah. And Constantine was sainted by the Catholic Church. Now now that they saint people, I'm like, let's do a deep dive into them because there's probably something sketchy. <laughs> you know, like let's 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 investigate. Cause this is a this is this is not something's not right if they were saint, uh, sainted. So 
Um, out of these meetings, the faith created by the Prince of Peace became the religion with the most blood on its hands. Who was Constantine? So there's this really great investigative journalist named Simka Jokovic. I hope I said his last name right. He's got a lot of great stuff on YouTube. You guys can find him, Simka Jokovic, and he is really good at explaining his findings. Okay. So he was really big and kind of unmasking who Constantine really was and what Constantine did at this at this council. So 4th century a AD, Roman Empire was divided into four different states. Um, it was like a republic. Like we in the United States right. are supposed to live in a republic, right? So they had mm -hmm. governors. And to me, that makes the most sense anyway. Like if you have states, like your state acts, if you're not from America, like I'm in Georgia, so I have a governor who kind of, that's why state laws are different. It kind of gives the people more of a voice. So that's how the Roman Empire was divided at that time. Now, each... Again, each region had its own governor um, or its own ruler. Uh, Constantine's father ruled the Western Roman Empire. So like England, France, Spain, all the Western states that were in the Roman Empire. His father died in what is now York, England in 306 AD. And so his army then said that you're not just the ruler of the West, Constantine, young buck, young man. You are now going to be the ruler of the whole Roman Empire. So a coup d'etat mm -hmm. happened where he came in and said, here I am. I'm going to now we're going to make this my freaking tyrannical land, this huge land that was the Roman Empire. And this was the start of the Dark Ages. So that's how well that worked for him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so anyway, well, that's how well that worked out for us. Yes, <laughs> that's he was OK. Yeah, no, he was totally fine. You're right. He was absolutely totally fine. He, he got his way. He was like a spoiled little brat that you just wanted to smack. Anyway, so it came to a head. There was this guy called Maxentius who was in the central region where, where Italy is, where Rome was. And he was the one that said, no, 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 this is not going to work. Now, Maxentius, he was he was actually pretty good with this new Christian. Like, he didn't really give a shit. Like, he, he I kind of see him. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very much live and let live in my life. Like, you believe whatever. As long as you're not being mean to people and hurting people, do what you, you know, I don't care what you believe in. You know? And that's kind of how I kind of read about it. Like, he kind of was that way. Like, as long as the people are happy and fine, then whatever. Whatever. Um, he, uh, Maxentius was for less taxes. He didn't want to tax the people where Constantine wanted to hike the taxes up and basically have people put all the money into the government. Um, and so there was a head to head with, uh, Constantine and Maxentius in 312 AD. Um, 1200 years later, the Renaissance artist Raphael would paint these on the Vatican, this beautiful fresca of this battle at the at the bridge, the famous bridge. OK, I've I've been to the Vatican City. It is gorgeous. It is beautiful. It's also really creepy. <laughs> I was a little creeped out when I was there. But um, but I, I'm kind of weird about that kind of stuff anyway. So um, but so I've seen this this fresca in um, in real life. So the Battle of the Milvin Bridge. So we are taught in school, I remember in Sunday school, vacation Bible school, hearing this story that uh, Constantine was greatly outnumbered by this army, like he was doomed to lose. And for rulers back then to lose meant certain death, right? So he claims that he had this dream that Jesus came to him at night and he saw these crosses and he gave his life over to Christ and all of a sudden he denounced all the pagan Roman gods, which interesting, pagan was a word created by the Catholic Church. Wasn't really a word, wasn't really a thing. Another then. demon? Is it another demon? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I haven't looked at the 
probably is. Um, I mean, Jesus means hail Zeus. That's what the name Jesus means because Zeus, his birthday was December 26th. Yeshua was the real name. There was no J back in those days. And if you replace the Y of Yeshua with a J, you get Joshua. So, you know, riddle me that. Jesus, I don't know. Um, so anyway, he says he gave his life over, became a Christian. Well, none of this is true. We know that none of this is true for two reasons. One, uh, he had a biographer named Eusebius. Now, Eusebius, he is quite a petty little man, too. I quite love him because Eusebius wrote about the battle. And then all these years later at the Council of Nicaea, Constantine went to him and said, hey, we're going to change the battle story and make it so I had this prophetic dream so that we can convince these people that I am a prophet of God. And Eusebius, instead of like just changing it for Constantine, he wrote in his notes that Constantine asked him to change the story. So, so he basically is telling us that this, this was a, this was propaganda. This never happened. There never was a Jesus dream that he had that this was all propaganda. Oh, that's interesting. Cause I've, I've heard that story too, uh, about his, his revelation, right? Yeah. I, I just figured it was, I, I, if I recall what I, what I understood to be going on, like there was, you know, the Christian religion was becoming more, uh, prevalent and they, there was some clashes between the Christians and the pagans because the pagans had a lot of festivals that were like not cool. And he aligned those, you know, Oh, that's holidays. the propaganda they tell you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what yeah. 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 He, he yeah. was like, Oh, I'm a Christian now. And like, we're just going to say that Jesus is born here and that this is Easter. And there's, you know, the pagan and the Christian stuff is going to come together that way. Everybody can party at the same time and nobody will have noise complaints. Oh, he didn't give a shit about that. That would be more of a Max Ascentious thing. Like, let's just, let's just drink and be merry. Yeah. No, everybody he, just be cool. Yeah. This yeah. definitely seems like this, this seems like a power grab and I, yeah, I have a feeling that's where grab. it's headed. Yeah. Yeah. He's a total narcissist, psychopath, like, but Eusebius, I mean, God bless him. Like he wrote in his notes, Constantine asked me to change this. So, mm-hmm. so we know that, that that was not the original thing that happened. We also know because Constantine, like a good little narcissist, tells on himself with the Ark of Constantine. And I've seen this as well. This is in Rome. It's an Ark that he built to um, display his victory and his total control now over this huge, massive empire. And on this Ark, there is nothing having to do with Jesus or crosses. Mm. It's all pagan Roman gods, all of it. So with him in the center of being you know, all glory to me, you know, being like, I am now the sun that rises over the, the Roman empire. So he tells on himself as well. And this is stuff. And like I said, you guys watching, like go back and research this for yourself. It's quite fascinating because this little dweeb, like, I, I mean, I just, Talk about a Napoleon before Napoleon ever lived. He probably had a Napoleon complex. Let's just <laughs> let, he probably wasn't pleasing women. Let's just put it that Napoleon way. Napoleon had a Constantine complex. <laughs> there we go. There, there we go. go. So, and we see the shields in the Ark of Constantine that were said to carry the crosses. There are no crosses on those shields. So, riddle really? that. Like, yeah. So he tells on himself, but he built the Ark before he told Eusebius to correct the the story, right? And he corrected the story at the Council of Nicaea. So mm. what religion did Constantine practice? He, con- he practiced a religion called Mithraism. And that, my friends, I hate to tell you guys, I don't want to freak people out, but it is the truth. That is what the Christian faith is to this day, is Mithraism. It's not the original teachings. of. And I had this friend, when I lived in Los Angeles, I had this friend that was fabulous and fantastic. And he, he was very 
religious himself, even though by his lifestyle, he had been kind of rejected from a lot of churches. And he would say all the time, you know, if Jesus came back today and saw the, saw the state of the church, he'd be like, so not what I meant, guys. Like, so not what I meant. And I, th- I don't even think he would recognize this, this faith that we call under his supposed name, right? Because um, it's so vastly different than what Yahshua actually taught people. Um, so what is Mithraism? So Mithra is said to be a pagan god that looks a lot like Jesus, um, the religion was considered a cult. It was a cult of the elite. It was an elite practice. It was a secret religion practiced only by men, no women. Sounds a little bit like the umbrella, doesn't it, of Gothard, right? Yeah, it sure does. Sounds a little bit like a lot of religions. Yeah. Women were not allowed to practice. This was elite men in the Roman world, the empire, the army that only were allowed to practice. They had secret handshakes which sounds a lot like the Freemasons too. Mm-hmm. I was about to say it's like the Illuminati of the Dark Ages pretty much. Exactly, 100%. And yeah. that is what uh, King James, when he rewrote the Bible or wrote the Bible, his own version of the Bible, guess who helped him write it? The same secret group, huh? The Freemasons. Really? That is, you can, this is, yeah. You look at, um, the there's the Freemason website. I have the links on my video where I went back, uh, over King James and we can do it de- later. We can do a deeper dive into King James if you guys want to because holy crap. Um, there he is still king james is still on the freemasonry website as like a 33rd degree master mason whoa yeah and they are credited for writing the bible this goes deep 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 this is so strange like (laughs) y'all i'm telling you i literally thought i was just gonna read some secrets about their sex life and now i'm like knee deep like what the hell has happened I, i mean aside from whether or not you believe that you know, the, the Dead Sea Scrolls are real or fake or these papyruses found in the graves or, you know, were planted there or whatever, because I know there's, you know, oh, the conspiracy yeah. theories there. But the fact that King James was a Freemason and you can find him on their website still is insane. I mean, there hasn't been an American president that wasn't a free method. Exactly. Mason. And they're also, we can eventually one day, I, I, I know we've got a lot of bloodlines too. There, it gets in the bloodlines as well. I'm actually mm. O negative, which is what the royal family is. They are big about bloodlines, and like, mm. and the, and that gets into the twi- tribes of Israel and all that kind of stuff. So that's a totally different. But, but yeah, it's it's all there. It's it's there. It's right in front of your face. It's like hidden in plain sight, right? And so for me anyway, in my own like relationship with God, I don't even take the Bible seriously anymore. My Bible, Bible is the missing book. So that's, that's kind of what I can say, I take more seriously. All right, so we'll get back to Mithra. This is this beautiful Mithra that we've all been practicing our whole lives and didn't even know it. Um, so Mithra was a sun god raised behind his head, AKA that's where we get the halo from is the rays the son of Mithra, right? Um, Born of a virgin on December 25th, had 12 disciples. He was number 13, so that creates a coven. I shit you not, that's what a coven is with a warlock and it's 12 disciples, so 13 is the number there. Um, Remember I said Yahshua had 70. Uh, Performed miracles, died for three days, and then was resurrected. Worships on Sunday. Because it's the Sunday, right? Sun is for like every day, like Monday is the moon, Saturday is Saturn. You know, it's not the Sabbath. Sunday is not the Sabbath. <laughs> it's the Sunday. It's the day of worshiping the sun god, right? Okay. Um, we also know that there was communion where they would, he would sacrifice a bull and everyone would drink the blood of the bull. 
and eat the meat of the bull, of said bull. And a lot of the old churches, the original churches from the Roman Empire, a.k.a. Europe, have Mithra temples underneath the, the sanctuary. So one example of this is the Santa Prisca Church in Rome. There is a Mithra te- temple underneath it that was discovered in 1934. So the 20th century was just not a good century for the Catholic wow. Church. Um, Ten years before the two big finds of the Dead Sea Scrolls in the Nakamani Library. Um, so they, uh, and I, I know I sent you guys some photos if you ever want to share this. It's fascinating because basically what's happening, you guys, remember how I said the Old Testament was a grimoire, was a spell book? So you're going to church on Sunday, you're doing your thing, you're praying, you're singing, you're taking your communion. That's energy that's being harvested. You're being hypnotized. And then that energy below you, unbeknownst to you, are these rich men doing up God knows what underneath you, sacrificing God knows what using your energy of prayer. And then on the wall underneath this sanctuary in the underground temple, it says, and I kid you not, and thou hast saved us by shedding of the eternal blood. Does that sound familiar? Wow. Thou hast saved us by the shedding of the eternal blood. When I first started researching this, I was pissed off because, you know, I always liked communion because we got juice and crackers in the middle of a very boring church <laughs> service. And now I'm like, damn it, <laughs> this is not cool, man. Um, all right. December 25th, which was Mithra's birthday, was also the Feast of Saturnalia. Guess what? Of Saturn, the cult of Saturn, of Satan. So it went on for 12 days. Um, again, this is where we get the word Satan from. Um, they wore black robes, uh, wedding bands. Again, that's another Saturnalian, the rings of Saturn. Um, and they would give each other gifts. Sound familiar? Wow. <laughs> Y'all know when G- or Yashua was really born? <laughs> September. <laughs> Wait, and and, and what's the, what was the background to Mithraism? Like, where did it come from? It's a, it's an old Byzantine. Uh, it's been around for like 5,000 years or something. It's been around for a very long time. You can find it in Sumerian texts. You can find it. This is an old faith of this Mithra. We see it referenced. Actually, we do see it referenced in the Bible. Who were the three wise men that came to visit Mithra? Not because Jesus was actually, Yahshua was actually born in Egypt. The Bethlehem story is Mithra, right? So who are these three? What were they called? They were called the Magi. Yes. That's a Mithraic priest. What? So they're telling you. They're literally telling our dumbasses, like, we're so dumb. Like, we're sitting there going, okay, okay. We're not even questioning these things. And they're, like, telling you. You know, wow. that, and, and I do say, though, I will I will give us a bit of a break. For those of us watching and you guys and myself, when you're raised in a, when you're grandfathered into religion, you know these stories, but you don't really pay attention because it's just part of, like, your daily life, right? Especially for someone like me, even though my parents were conservative Christian, they were also very secular, too, let's be real. So Sunday was, like, an activity we went to. It was Church, church was an activity. I mean, in my church, if the pastor if it was starting to get close to noon, and the pastor was still preaching, the men would start hitting their watches, making eye contact with the pastor because we have lunch <laughs> reservations to yeah. get to. We got football to watch. Yeah, yeah my, my pastor would be like, the Cowboys will still be there when we get off of church and people are just like climbing the walls. We're like, bro. 
No, I mean, listen, my, I will say my money talks. My church was quite wealthy. There were lots of doctors and attorneys and that made big donations to the church. So I'm sure that they were very willing to end that service to get people to the restaurant, the country club on time because uh, mm-hmm. they wanted that money, right? So, so yeah, that's all there, you guys. It's all in the Bible, <laughs> this Mithraism. It's fun. So now we have this guy, Constantine, who has now had this first council of Nicaea. And he's going to now squash this problem of liberation that's happening because of this annoying little teacher named Yahshua, and he's going to turn Christianity into Mithraism. Not such a secret elite religion anymore, is it? But we're going to keep some of these themes of like men being in charge. I told you guys uh, off camera that Constantine, after the council, after he had found God, you know, became a Christian, he boiled his wife alive in the town center because he thought she was cheating on him. This is not, you know, this guy did not like obviously care much for women if he cared for women it was for one purpose and one purpose only there was no that is not a romantic novel right there well, like, you said he boiled his wife alive but he also beheaded his son there was a wow. rumor that his oldest son was boinking his uh new wife which wasn't true the history books will tell you this was not true his oldest son was 21 at the time and so he beheaded his own son and then boiled his wife alive that just sounds like wow. an excuse to make sure that his son didn't kill him to get to the throne early. I mean, mm-hmm. they, that's the kind of stuff that they were always concerned Great about. Great point, yeah. Because they're all psychopaths. <laughs> yeah. If you came from a family where they, where you weren't, your parents weren't concerned about you murdering them to take their power, then you probably, you know, doing pretty good. <laughs> um, so anyway, so that's the start of it. Now, at this point, they started to make these decrees. And part of these decrees were the books that they claimed to be heretical were um if if you were found owning them you were going to be killed in a very gruesome Mm. way so bless their hearts their little hearts um not in the southern way because in the southern way bless your heart does not mean a good thing but (laughs) but, um, in a very very positive way and very appreciative to these like punk rock badasses from the fourth century that took these really important gospels these gnostic gospels and stuck them in coffins you know what's interesting about that bryce is that uh, we know about the catacombs right Mm -hmm. where you know early christians went and, and hid from persecution uh, so, so that lines right up with, you know, kind of their, uh, their standard practice of let's hide in coffins, let's hide our important stuff in coffins. Yeah. It makes total sense. And they, I don't think, I, I know, you know, you would have to imagine that to save that they, they felt like this, these, this material was so important that they, they probably knew in their lifetime it was never going to be resurfaced again. But I don't, I don't mm. think they thought it would take thousands of years for it to finally resurface, but it came out when it should have, because it came out at a time where the Catholic church couldn't do anything. And so, so we have this immediate, like we look at like people like Hypatia, this was around the time when she was brutally murdered by the Christian armies. We Christian, like what, what kind of, why do you need an army for a religion of peace? Like, I don't like, this is like, so most people, I would assume from, from what we know that most of the common folk, knew that what was going on wasn't cool and that this was not the Christian faith. But what could you do? What could you do at that point? Are you going to risk your life or your family's life? That was the same in the Council of Nicaea. A lot of the leaders of the church, the early, I don't even like using that word, but again, lack of a better word for the early church, were brought to this council. And they, you know they were scared shitless. Sure. And so they, they knew that if they, if they disagreed with Constantine, Constantine also brought into the Council of Nicaea a group of correctors, to correct the Bible, 
I'm sorry, what? Is, is this the word of God? Like, why does the word of God need, be, need to be correcting? Um, we have here actually marked it from uh, from Trisha McCann's book. Um, she says, 325 CE at the Council of Nicaea, where it is decided which gospel should be supported and which should be suppressed. James Carroll writes in Constantine's Sword, indeed the bishop of the Council of Nicaea, indeed the bishops of the Council of Nicaea who disagreed with Constantine's choices were exiled on the spot. And that's putting it nicely. Most of them were beheaded and their families were killed. So Mm -hmm. they had no choice. So you can't blame them for, for being like, it's cool. It's fine. You know, no. Like, what would you do in that situation? I'd probably be like, yeah, I know. Mithra's great. We're just going to stick with Mithra, you know, because your family's being threatened. We have here, I, I marked this as well, as well, because this talks about the, um, she talks about the early idea of original sin, which original sin is sex, right? Like, that's what, what the church teaches us, and that's not true. Um, there were decrees that around 390 CE that ordered the deconstruction of all reference materials not chosen by the Orthodox Roman Church. So they were not only going to confiscate these other material, these other books, these 700 plus books, but they were going to destruct them as well, destroy them. That's book burning, mm-hmm. right? Um, she says, while some people, of, while some of these texts confirm our existing gospels, others reveal philosophies distinctly at odds with the Orthodox Christian, a doctrine we have been conditioned to believe for nearly 2,000 years. These newly discovered landmark writings focus on Yahshua's teachings on several pivotal subjects, karma, reincarnation, the existence of a divine mother, the multi-dimensional nature of the universe, and the existence of gods with a lowercase g, meaning aliens, and demiorchs, or false gods, that rule this world, as well as the descent of the soul into the world of matter. Yahshua tells us that we have the power to connect with God directly, reminding us that the divine lies within us and can be accessed directly. Yet the Orthodox Church keeps this information hidden, ordering the deconstruction of all non-canonical texts under the penalty of death. So that's what they're, they're hiding the fact that you don't need them. Right. What's the Catholic Church to this day is the wealthiest business in the world. Mm -hmm. It's the wealthiest. I mean, it's it's pretty decadent. Like like I said, I've been there. It's it's very a lot of churches are wealthy, you know. And so anyway, so that's where we kind of get started in this whole censorship. And it grows. We have this group called the Cathars, which I'm not going to go too much into detail. They were directly under Magdalene's teachings and second. Before I get into that, just so you guys know, the church was the church was never supposed to be left to Peter, ever. That was changed, and there's a lot that was edited in the in the canon. You're talking about the apostle Peter, right? The narcissist, the mean guy that like hated Magdalene. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Yeah. Okay, if you guys were married, if you had a wife. And you had kids. Me and Boy Bryce? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You guys, you guys were here. (laughs) All right. Say like you, you're writing your will, like you're sitting down. Mm -hmm. Who are you going to leave your business to? Probably my spouse. Yeah. Yeah. Or your kids. Who did he leave his business to? Magdalene. Mm. And his brother. They were supposed to be co-directors. That was his will. Not Peter. Peter was a jet. I never liked Peter. And now I'm like, I knew it. I knew that guy. Like, and as a kid, I was like, this guy's mean. And then I'm reading the missing books. And I'm like, my eight-year-old self knew it. I knew <laughs> it. <laughs> so Magdalene was supposed to be the one to take over his school. 
right? And she did have a group of people called the Cathars, and they kept a lot of these, they kind of like were low key undercover in like the Pyrenees Mountains, all right? And during the Inquisition, I think it was like the 1300s, they were completely tortured and murdered, and it was awful what happened mm. to them. But they were kind of the last to hold out on this true, and, and what they practiced was literally the true teachings of Yahshua. Um, I think I told you guys in one of the outlines that the only rule that Yahshua had, do you guys know what it was? The only rule he had? Mm -mm. Vegetarianism. Oh, well, I'm out. No. I'm out. Nope. I'm out. Yep. Sorry. That's enough for me. I hear Odin. <laughs> he was a, he was a staunch vegetarian. And if you read the Gospel of the Nazarene Way, which I, that's one of my favorite from the missing books, I sobbed. I cry easily anyway. I'm very I'm a Scorpio moon. I'm very emotional. I'm also a female. But um, he the things he says about animals is is so touching. And mm. he like gets mad at people for like working their animals too hard. And beating, like, there's a scene where he sees these boys, like, tormenting this kitten. And he walks up and, like, takes the cat and, like, chastises the boys and ends up, like, raising, healing the cat. And, like, the cat travels with them, you know. Um, and that he kind of becomes one of their, the posse. And he says, do the animals not breathe the same air that you breathe? Are they not your brothers and sisters? And and actually, you know, shout out to my mom again, my, my cool mom, when, um, we were little and my father was a vet. So we had a lot of animals growing up and um, we had a lot of dogs. And I remember being in Sunday school and this Sunday school teacher, like to say this to a child, looking back, this is such child abuse. She told us that our, our pets didn't have souls. And so therefore they were not going to go to heaven. And like all the kids started crying. <laughs> in Sunday school? <laughs> this was like Sunday school. And so I came home and told my mom that cause I was so upset, like so upset. My mom looked at me and she goes, what do you mean? Of course they're going to go to heaven. In Book of Revelation, it talks about the horsemen. So they're horses, obviously. And she's like had this like very common sense practical. And she went down to that church and got really mad at that teacher for saying that to a bunch of children. You know, so my mom, you know, my mom was not, and my mother wasn't really an animal fan. Like she was very house proud. So like our animals didn't come inside back in those days. Now they have to come inside, which I love because I'm, my dog is like my child. But, um, um, but yeah, so so Jesus, Yahshua, was very, very staunch on this, his stance on being a vegetarian. And yeah. actually in the Nazarene way, uh, which I hate to take, break it to you guys too, this might be a, a punch in the gut for some people. Yahshua was not born of a virgin. A virgin just means a young child. His, the, 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 the immaculate conception that they teach you is actually a satanic ritual. Yahshua was born to two married people. Her name was not Mary. Her name was Alma Mari. That was his mother's name. And his father was Yosef. He was born in a loving family. And to me, and people get very upset about that, but I'm like, listen, there's nothing more, I'm not a parent, I don't have children, but I have watched, I've watched my nephew being born. It's very magical to see that happen. You can't tell me that that's not the act of God. When two human beings in a consenting, loving relationship create a human being in an act of love, like you can't tell me God's not there. Like that's powerful. So you are power. Everybody watching this right now, like the fact that you are sitting here right now, alive and breathing, you are an example of God in, in action. So that's powerful. So yeah, in these missing books, he was born of his mother and father. The angel that came to his mother, Gabriel, told his mother not to give him meat. <laughs> that was the role, that he was never to eat meat. He was never to be inflicted with the energetic karma of another animal that suffered. So in these lost books, 
<clears throat> the angel was visiting Mary or Alma Mary, right? Alma Mari, yeah. Alma Mari, mm -hmm. not to tell her that she was with child, but that the child that she was pregnant with that she already knew about just was supposed to be a vegetarian. Yeah. And so was John the Baptist or Jan the Baptist, his cousin. He was also same thing. Angel came to his mama and said, don't give him meat. And so Jan, mm. Jan, his brother or his cousin, whatever he was, and Yahshua were both vegetarian. And so were all subsequently all of his, because Yahshua had siblings too, you guys. He was the oldest of many kids, right? For those who are watching us that maybe were not, grown, did not grow up Christian, the New Testament, it's interesting because the New Testament we have in our Bible and the canonical, the actual, the, like the real, the, not the real, the approved Bible will say, it's only four gospels and like letters. That's all it is, is four gospels and letters. That's it. Hmm. And this guy that wrote the letters, Paul, there's, there's a, I mean, I believe they're all forged forgeries anyway. Um, but I have someone that's coming on my channel at some point to talk about his research into Paul and all the forgeries he found. But there's something interesting when he's speaking about women, there is one misunderstanding. We were talking about the giants at the beginning. There's places in his letters where he speaks about women's head needing to be covered. Right. Do you guys know why he wants your head covered? Something to do with giants. Yes. So that the watchers wouldn't come back. He was terrified of these these Nephilim coming back and be because that's what that's the story, right? From like Noah in the Old Testament is like mm -hmm. these um, watchers, which people believe were extraterrestrials, because um, we have lots of mention of extraterrestrials in the both in the missing books and actually in the in the canonized Bible, um, came down and fell in love with the daughters of men and started to um, mate with the daughters of men and created these yes. Nephilim, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so he was terrified of that happening again. And so in that sense with his letters, I actually kind of give him some space for that. Like that's a terrifying ordeal. And it's kind of like when you look back, when you look at the timeline, which is a whole totally different subject, there's so many rabbit holes on this is like, what is our real historical timeline? Um, cause if you look at that, it's so nonchalantly in those letters that obviously this was a common fear for people back in it's not a fear for us today but back then this was like a common fear that 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 these nephilim were gonna like reappear on earth you know as a mm. woman i think that would be quite painful to give birth to a giant but you know <laughs> but uh it's kind of like we look at the mormon church for example like everyone kind of knows if you're not mormon that uh joseph smith had this idea that the native americans were the missing tribes of israel well right. that's not just joseph smith historically that was a common belief amongst many people in the world not just the colonists that the native americans were um, the missing tribes of Israel, right? Same thing. So I'm kind of correlating that with if we, because that's closer in our history as to where we are now. We can understand that. Okay, that's why people weren't just. Uh, that wasn't just exclusively a, a Joseph Smith thing. That was like a common belief back then. So we look at that in in uh, Paul's letters. Like this is something people were really worried about. Like that these extraterrestrials or whatever. You know, we look at all the Greek gods like Dionysus, which is what Mardi Gras is all about, is Dionysus. And you look at the, the structures and the paintings, and these Greek gods, Zeus, were, were bigger than the, you know, they show you with humans. So this idea, where did these ideas come from? Like there's obviously, and then we see from my original research that, yeah, there are tons of these like 25-foot bones hanging around our planet you know and so um so yeah this there there's a lot of stuff that you can really dig deep into this stuff and see where some of these these weird we think you know with the whole female thing that paul just did that because he was maybe you know didn't like women but no he was actually terrified that that women would entice um these 
ETs to come back, basically. Yeah. So, what What if he was afraid of giant women? Because <laughs> we've all seen that Futurama episode. He didn't want to be snoo snooed to death. Listen, I think I would be afraid of a giant woman, so I don't want <laughs> him. <laughs> um, Davey got a whole different look on his face, though. He was like... Sounds interesting. <laughs> I'm interested. I mean... <laughs> um, I mean... <laughs> I was, I mean, it, I was blown away when I did my deep dive in the Giants. I was like, holy shit, like, this is just, this is wild. I mean, everything that you've talked about so far, Bryce, is is just, I mean, obviously flies in the face of our modern understanding of the Bible, the history of the Bible, uh, and is, is kind of, um, it turns the evangelical understanding of Jesus and the Christian religion completely on its head. Um, so I, I know this is difficult information to hear. Uh, and, and once again, not that we're taking it at face value or that this is what we believe, but just, hey, this stuff is out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, whole, the whole conversation around Mithraism to me is, is, is one of the most interesting aspects of this. And I definitely wanted to hear more about um, King James and, and kind of his quote-unquote interpretation of the Bible. That's a big one. That's um, because there's a lot of moving factors. Basically, it was that pesky Protestant Reformation that happened. With the Protestant Reformation also um, came more people were educated. More people Mm -hmm. were becoming educated. More people could read Latin. And so, uh uh-oh, the Vatican's got another problem now because, whoopsie-daisy, like people are starting to be able to kind of question the things Mm -hmm. that they had been teaching. So we had, you know, people often think that the King James Bible was the first Bible written in English. That is the furthest thing from the truth. We had another guy, I forgot his name, I'll have to go back and look at my notes, who a few years before wrote, uh, translated a Bible, and he was tortured to death in England, killed for heresy. Um, And we have this thing called the Geneva Bible. And people will see copies of the Geneva Bible today, but it's not the, like, if you see it on Amazon, that's not the real Geneva Bible. The real Geneva Bible you can buy for like $2 million. Um, And this was, the story is very detailed, but we see people, we think of King James as being this like Protestant king. That's not true, you guys. That is not true. Um, Again, he was an out loud and proud Satanist. He made no bones about this. He believed in what they call divine right. He believed that his bloodline, which is my bloodline, the O negative bloodline, you're O negative, you're that, that, that this bloodline was the bloodline of the gods. Okay, because you have nothing, I have nothing in my blood, right? I have no antigens, no rhesus factor, nothing in my blood. All right, so. I know this as a woman, most women who are rhesus negative know this because if I get pregnant with a man who's RH positive, I have to take precautions in order to make sure my body doesn't get rid of the baby because mm. of the rhesus. Luckily, my boyfriend is also RH negative, so that won't be a problem if that were to happen to me. But like most women know this, right? So if you if you if this sounds familiar to you as a woman, you probably know this because of, of, of the of potential dangers in getting pregnant. Anyway, so RH negative something also, and you know how you said all the presidents have been Freemasons? You know what else all the presidents have been? Hmm. RH negative. Is that true? That's true. Only 15% of the world population is RH negative. Wait, including Trump? I think so too. Yeah, absolutely. He looks RH negative. There are some, um, there are some uh, traits of RH. He huh. looks RH negative. 
So as an O negative, it doesn't matter what blood type you guys are, as an O negative, I can give you my blood no problem because right. I have nothing in it, right? So, but for me, I have to get from other O negatives, right? So anyway, so that's why I know about my blood type. Well, the royal family or King James believed that all monarchy was also, this was a divine blood by the gods. He has quotes saying that he is a god and people should recognize him as such. So when he writes the King James Bible, he's meaning himself as a god. The King James mm. Bible. Do you know the original King James Bible had a picture of Lucifer on every page? What? Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, it's this That's is a lot of ink. This <laughs> is so fun and so petty, isn't it? It's so juicy. <laughs> so he was at war with this Geneva Bible. And Geneva, these people had escaped England. And that's right, you guys. Like even the people coming to the New World were having to escape King James because he was stopping ships from the ports from leaving. Right? You don't want you going off. The 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 Puritans who came to America would have never had a King James Bible. Like, never. They would have been disgusted by that. They would have had a Geneva Bible. Okay? Hmm. So the Geneva Bible ended up, the King James Bible, and we can, if you guys ever want to do another episode specifically on this, it's a huge topic. There's a lot of moving parts here. But he worked with the Freemasons to get rid of the Geneva Bible and just have his people of the UK take the King James Bible by law. So that's why the King James Bible became the big Bible. And all these translations that we have, like I grew up with the NIV, it's a translation of the King James. Right. Yeah. The authorized version, as it's called. Yeah, exactly. I uh, I like to throw into the, into the uh, pot here if anybody is super questioning. So, you know, the Catholic Church has already proven that they can hide something for decades and mm -hmm. decades and decades. And the only reason that they can't really hide the things they want to hide anymore is because it's a connected world now. There's just, you can get it out there immediately. And so it's much harder to control. So, you know, part of me is like, there's so much fantastical things that you're saying. But on the other hand, it's like, I completely believe, especially if we're looking at a world prior to electricity prior to steamboats whatever keeping the lid on things that they want to keep the lid on is completely yeah. possible but i also had this other thought process and maybe i've just watched way too many movies that you know if there were bishops the bishops at this conference and they were like you're gonna do this or we're gonna kill you and your whole family and they're like hey no big deal and then when they were done they had their own little secret society and they hid the information until the world was ready as it were so who's to say that these grave robber discovery guys weren't like oh bob i heard that 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 grave's got gold in it <laughs> he just walk, walks around That's the corner like though yeah man bob always does what i tell him he's such an idiot <laughs> here's the thing about everything that Bryce has talked about so far. It's just crazy enough that it might work. It's that kind of concept, right? Mm -hmm. Where, I mean, yes, it flies in the face of everything that, you know, we growing up in church and going to Sunday school and vacation Bible school, it flies in the face of everything that we learned. But at the same time, I mean, none of us, none of us are going to deny, you know, the political cover ups that happen. 
on a constant basis. Constantly, yeah. So why would there not be a religious cover-up? There's just as much power and money at stake. And when you really do a deep dive, I just went over the basis of, of Mithraism. You guys, like, do a deep dive. You are going to see your whole Sunday service hmm. in this ancient religion. And you know, like I said, if that's what you want to believe, cool. But you need to know what you believe and treat right. people according. Don't do human sacrifices. Like, don't, you know, like, <laughs> um, and that's the thing, like, with the real teachings of Yahshua, like, he basically was saying, like, he talked about coming into the world of matter. Like, that's what, you're a soul. You're an eternal, you can't kill a soul. You are an eternal soul. And you're living in a body that's mortal. And this is just an experience. That's all this is. And these obstacles we go through in life, like, and I, and that's what the, I mean, the Gnostics, they call them the Gnostic, because Gnostic, they didn't go around calling themselves Gnostics. Like, that's what scholars have labeled these books, because they're so different from the, the, the canonized Bible. It means inner knowing, inner knowing of yourself, of who you are. You know, in the Gospel of Thomas, where it's just a bunch of like notes someone took of Yahshua's teachings, and there's, and I'm paraphrasing, but there's a, one of the famous quotes is like, you know, they're asking Yashua, well, where's heaven? Where's heaven? And he says, well, if it's in the sky, the birds will get there first. If it's in the ocean, the fish will get there first. It's inside of you. It's in you. It's not in a built. It's not. You can't go there. It's already in you. It's knowing that you are not, you are an eternal soul. And this is like Alan Watts. I love Alan Watts. He was this great guy who brought all the Eastern philosophy to the West. And somebody asked him that old question, that, that age old question, why are we here? What's the point of life? And his answer was, the point of life is to be alive. That's it. That's it. It's to be alive. And these these things that we struggle with, you know, um, the word demon is actually a shorter word of a bigger word that means demonstrator. It's your teacher. Now, I do believe that there are actual demons and angels, but like your own demons that you have, it's your teacher. You don't learn when something isn't hard. You don't learn where there's not, where there's not, you know, I, I, I talk about friction with my students a lot. When you look at a, a match, a match has everything on it. It needs to light, but it can't unless it's struck against a matchbook. That's the friction. And when you come to earth and you don't remember you're in sin because you can't remember that you're already whole, you're already good. So we start living in our ego, which is the false sense of self. And we get confused. We think that this mortal existence is our forever existence, but it's it's like going to an amusement park, right? When you have all these rides you can pick from and you pick the ride because you want that simulated experience. You want to feel that experience of being on that scary roller coaster or you want to go on the lazy river or I think I picked the haunted house ride for this life because this life has been wild. But you know you you're you but you know you're gonna get off the ride and you're gonna be you again. It's the same with and that's what Yashua taught about there was no hell. There's no such thing hell is inside of you just like heaven. If you're in hell this, if you're in a, you're, we, I've been to hell. I've definitely been to hell many times. It's inside of you, right? And there's that great saying, I think it was John Lennon who said it. Uh, a religious person is a person who's never seen hell. A spiritual person is a person who's been to hell and back again, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's going there, understanding, having the shit beaten out of you and then understanding that who you really are. And that's what life is. And that's what Yahshua taught. And if you don't figure it out this life, guess what? Next life, who cares? Time's eternal. You're still you're still whole, right? So that that I just wanted to leave people with that. Like you're already. I mean, I just want to. I like when I see people living in fear of God. God is not a weapon. 
man uses God as a weapon, but God is not God. If you're a parent and my mother used to tell us growing up all the time, my siblings and me that she would do anything for us, like that her love for us was unconditional. If you're a parent and you feel that way about your child, now think about that times a million with the creator God. You're not going to go to hell. There's karma. The karma is just cause and effect. That's all it is. It's cause and effect. You live it out and you experience it. And you, you, you only know joy because you know sorrow, right? You only know life because you know death. And that's what Yahshua taught. That was the liberation. The liberation is that you're already free. That's so interesting, Bryce. And, and I think the important thing to take away from this is there's information out there. And even if it's not something that you create a belief system out of, it's still very interesting to at least look at. And I think that to me is, is why I wanted to talk about this. Not because it's like, we want to, we want to turn every Christian, um, into, you know, a, a new believer, right? That, that's not, that's not what this is. This is just, let's look at the information that's out there. Cause man, this is, this is super, super interesting stuff. We're definitely going to have to do another episode, Bryce, because there's so much here. And I, I absolutely want to hear more about the giants. Uh, we'll probably need to do uh, some sort of Q and a live stream with you as well, because I know after people watch this, there's going to be folks that have questions. There's going to be folks that have already studied this stuff in depth and they'll want to, you know, kind of add their observations as well. Um, so we'll definitely be scheduling some follow-up stuff with you, Bryce. Uh, where can people find you online? Uh, Esoteric Atlanta on YouTube and on rumble. If you were in a country, cause I've learned that there are some countries that can't get these platforms. If you email me at esoteric Atlanta at gmail.com, I can put you into the signal app group where we have a bunch of people where you can see those videos as well. So, so yeah. Well, we'll definitely be talking about this more. Y'all, please like, comment, subscribe, share. Uh, we'll be back with Bryce Watson uh, for a live stream and, and most likely a, a follow-up episode. But thank you all so much for watching. We love you.